Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Life Wired podcast. And thank you guys for joining us on this Sunday, August 27th. Today's episode is a little bit unique where we are going to talk through how we stay fit year round. And we really break this episode down into three major principles talking about specific training habits, nutrition habits, and mindset habits, you know, that really do help us stay fit year round and really how we help our clients sustain their health and their fitness really for life. Um, But before we begin, this episode is brought to you by Nash Nutrition. The Nash bar is made with simple and nourishing ingredients, 20 grams of protein, and is naturally sweetened with honey and dates. And what a lot of people don't realize is that most of the healthy protein bars that you find on the market are actually heavily processed. You know, there's a lot of unnatural ingredients and processed fillers. And we know that if we consume too much of this processed food too often, over time, it can eventually lead to long-term health issues. And so this is why Chris and I love the Nash bars. We never even have to think twice about the ingredients and they truly are the good for you protein bar. And these are bars that we rely on literally daily and weekly um, to carry us through from a protein standpoint, a micronutrient standpoint. Just make sure that you guys set your reminders for September. 7th at 6 p.m. when the next release is going to take place. These bars go really quickly. So just make sure you get ahead of that so you can get a box of bars to try. And this episode is also brought to you by my Everyday Athlete Blueprint program. This is my exclusive one-on-one high-touch online coaching program designed for male former athletes who want to lose body fat and gain muscle in the next 12 weeks. We also offer a very sustainable approach to health and fitness to help you keep those results that you get within the program long-term. And I'm opening up a limited spots to my coaching roster this upcoming September. So if you're interested, fill out the Everyday Athlete Coaching application in the show notes after today's episode. So on to episode 100. Um, This is just unbelievable, guys, to think that we've made it all the way to 100 episodes. You know, I know someday we're going to be looking back on this when we're at episode 500 um, and and think back to just all of, you know, the conversations and, and topics and things that we've discussed with you guys. You know, we're just so appreciative that you guys have been with us and along for the ride really this whole entire time. And so we just appreciate you guys supporting us. We appreciate you guys listening and tuning in every single week. So thank you. And we hope you enjoy today's episode. And so really our main goal with this episode, guys, is to help you avoid that constant battle of starting and stopping your fitness journey. I think that this is easily the number one thing that most people struggle with when it comes to fitness and and just health and nutrition in general. We're constantly playing that battle of, one foot in, one foot out, you know, trying this method, trying that method, only to find ourselves starting from ground zero every single year. Um, you know, and for some people it's every other month, you know what I mean? And so I feel like this is just something that so many of us have struggled with, so many people do struggle with. And we really just want to help you guys, you know, really understand and and like really understand why, you know, these specific principles that we're about to talk about are really what's going to help carry you through and keep you consistent, not only for, for, you know, a week, not only for a couple of months, not only for six months, 12 months, but year after year after year, stacking up wins and stacking up success in your favor. And I think the number one thing that's important to understand when it comes to this whole entire concept is understanding the vital importance of what you do most of the time. And, you know, this is really where so often we get focused on, you know, the minutia, the the nuance, the little details, you know, intermittent fasting, keto, paleo, yet we lose the bigger picture of what really matters. And, you know, when Chris and I are coaching our clients, you know, we aren't, we always tell them, you know, we're not defined by one workout. We're not defined by one specific meal. It's what do the accumulation of our habits look like over time? You know, when we pull back and look at those seven days that just happened when we hit Sunday, 
What did our habits look like? What did our lifestyle look, look like? How did our training and our activity look like for the most part as we reflect on those seven days? You know, when we look over the last month, you know, what did our eating habits look like? What did our training look like? How consistent were we? How inconsistent were we? That's the kind of perspective that we need to start having as it relates to our health and fitness. And when you guys can start understanding that, it's going to take the pressure off of you know what happens from a day-to-day standpoint. And you're going to be able to see and reflect on, okay, what do I need to change to get the odds working in my favor? What, do I, what small lifestyle adjustments do I have to make to just live a little bit healthier and to just get you know, what I'm doing most of the time to reflect what I'm ultimately looking to get out of my health, my fitness, and my life in general. And so I know that for a lot of you listening, you know, balancing this whole idea of staying fit year round and also living your life can really be daunting. You know, I feel like a lot of people do believe that they have to, you know, press pause on their social life, press pause on, you know, their work-life balance if they want to focus on health and fitness. But the key is to really get health and fitness to work for you and your lifestyle. And I think that that's the biggest thing that Chris and I do with our clients in our coaching programs is helping these systems that we utilize, these methods that get results, make those methods work for the individual, not the other way around. And that is where we see direct success and direct results is when we can get you know these protocols now, while there will be some discomfort, obviously, you know, not everything is just going to come super easy. It's going to take effort. It's going to take discipline, but it's about learning how to get these protocols and these methods to work for you and your life and not against you and your life. And so, you know, really at the end of the day, guys, when we have fitness goals, you know, we are big fans of having those goals and, and being very clear on what those goals are. But at, at the end of the day, those goals are simply direction. It's really the habits that we create that create lasting change for us long term. And so this is why, you know, throughout this episode we really want you guys to flip the script and start focusing on the habits that will get you to the results instead of just focusing solely on that end result. Because like I said, it that goal is what's going to give you direction, but those habits are what are going to create lasting change in your life. When it comes to staying fit year round, I think what a lot of people fall into and I used to do this as well is that cycle of in the winter months during the holidays, we kind of pull back on our habits, on our consistency, on our routines and working out, and we gain a little bit of fluff, I guess you could say. Then we have to kind of race to get ready for summer. And I think that if you always stay ready, you don't have to, quote, get ready for like a vacation. You don't have to get ready for the summer months. You're just able to maintain these habits and this lifestyle long enough to be able to be like, hey, I have a vacation coming up. I don't have to do a crash diet or a cleanse or something like that. You're just always ready because we are we do most of the time and if you build up this lifestyle like Zach said in a very sustainable way you'll be able to maintain it through the holidays you'll be able to maintain it through these busy seasons of life or even these very very social seasons of life right now which I know a lot of people are experiencing and we're experiencing it to ourselves when you think about it in the grand scheme of things we start to lose momentum in those seasons where it's like the holidays it's really only two or three days So if you let yourself like fall into the cycle of like gaining and losing the same amount of weight or starting and stopping the same fitness routine throughout the year, like think about what can I maintain all year long? Like these holidays, these social events, it's actually not that much time. You're putting a lot of weight on these small moments versus putting the weight on the Monday through Friday. Like what are you doing in the gym? What are you doing with your personal development? What are you doing with nutrition? That structure brings freedom for these moments that happen on the weekends, on vacation, and during the holidays. So staying fit year round, I think is a practice that you have to have that mindset. And I know this has stuck out to a lot of my clients and check-ins when I say it. So I want to share with all of you, like 
stay ready so you don't have to get ready. And we're going to go through three different pillars of how you can stay ready year round without having to get ready. And the first one is training habits. We're going to go through a couple of different ways you can maintain these training habits year round. And then the first one is something over nothing mentality. This goes with any area of your health and fitness journey. It can be training, it can be nutrition, but in the realm of training, like a 30 minute workout is better than nothing. I know a lot of people like have busy schedules for work and they can slip into that all or nothing mindset. It's kind of how we're just like hardwired. Like we immediately, when we're in a stress state or we're trying to change our habits, we immediately like default to that all or nothing mindset where it's like, if I can't even get in 30 minutes of a workout, why bother? If I can't get in my 10,000 steps, why even bother getting seven? But it really does make such a huge difference. And that something over nothing mentality, something that helps you continue your training practices year round. We shared a while back, like we were in a tough season of life recently and our training looked extremely different. We would go in and just be like, I have 30 minutes. I got to go hard for 30 minutes, get in and get out, give it all I have. But that didn't mean we were just like skipping workouts and not showing up for ourselves. So I think that you have to use what you have, whether that's the time that you have, the equipment that you have. I have a lot of people who say like, I haven't started my fitness journey because I can't get a gym membership. All I have is dumbbells, a treadmill. I'm like, that's literally all you need. <laughs> like you could just use your body weight and walk outside even. And you can see a lot of progress that way. It's just that mentality that truly flips the switch and makes us something you can maintain no matter what season of life you're in. Yeah. And I think the second point that we have here really goes hand in hand with that something over nothing mentality, which is understanding that with our training, there's going to be periods of optimization and there's also going to be periods of maintenance. You know, if you would have asked old Zach, you know, first year in the business as a trainer, um, you know, what the focus would be, it would have been, you know, optimization, optimization, optimization. But it's just not realistic when we look at the bigger picture, when we look at, okay, what is health, what does our health and fitness look like over the course of not just like three months, like I said earlier, but maybe two years, maybe three years. It's very unrealistic to think that every single day, every single week is going to be pure optimized training. Like unless you are literally an athlete and that is what you do for a living. And even then you will go through periods of maintenance phases and, and just like maintaining in your training. So basically, you know, it's so important guys to understand this concept of optimization versus maintenance. You know, we could, we can go through seasons of our training where, you know, we have every single little thing dialed, optimized, you know, the progressive overload is optimized. You know, the training frequency is optimized. All of these things are propelling us in the direction we want to go to. But then we're also inevitably going to have those seasons of life where, you know, shit gets busy, shit gets really hard and really hectic. And we have to pull back and just at least at the minimum, you know, maintain where we're still showing up, we're still getting something done, even if it's not optimal, even if it's not, you know, maybe the exact amount of training volume we need per muscle group per work per week, maybe it's not the exact progressive overload that we need to elicit growth in a certain area of the body. That is okay. Again, this really goes back to something versus nothing. And I think it's just very important for us to understand that differentiation between optimization and maintenance. Because a lot of times we we see those things kind of as one where, you know, we just look at training very generally. But if you guys can understand this concept of, of really breaking those two things apart, it's really going to help you like go hard in those moments in your training where you know you have maybe it's a little bit less hectic season of life. You can dedicate a little bit more time and focus to your training, to your nutrition. Then that's when we can push the optimization. But then during those times where, you know, it's very hectic, you know, it's crazy. You can barely even get yourself, um, you know, to work out three to four times per week. Let's just at least win at the minimum and then we can optimize later. I think a really cool analogy that I'll kind of give as an example for this is when you are driving, you have to accelerate at certain times, and then you also have to like cruise at times. You have to pull off the gas. You can't constantly be like pedal to the metal. So I think in those moments where you have to pull back, 
you can think of it as like putting things on cruise control. Like how can I be self-aware enough to know, like if I can't hit four days of training, can I hit three? Or for a lot of women who your hormones are shifting throughout the month, I have a lot of clients. It's really cool to see this verbiage of like, hey, can I extend my program one week? I was sick. I just maintained weight. I didn't PR or like, hey, it's that time of the month. I can't PR. I'm just going to maintain weight. Let's do five weeks of this program instead of four. But when clients first come to me for training, it's like first week, I want to go 10 out of 10 RP. I want to like always be like, go, 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 go. But we have to have that time to like pull back a little bit and be also willing to pivot and make changes and communicate too. Because our clients communicating these seasons of life or when they need to pull back, is also extremely helpful. So we can understand when their periods of optimization are and when their periods of maintenance are like Zach said. The next one is to Find something you can enjoy. Obviously, if you are doing a form of training that you don't enjoy, how are you going to maintain it year round, let alone for the rest of your life? Like, I think when we look at our fitness journey, we think about, I have to get ready for this vacation or like for us, like we have to get ready for this wedding, but you don't think further beyond that. And like, can I maintain this forever? And if it's not something you enjoy, then what are you doing? And I think that that's going to shift over time too. And I think finding a fine balance of lifting, like obviously resistance training has so many benefits. It gives you more bang for your buck and body recomposition and building lean muscle mass. But I also think it's really healthy balance to like weave in running, weave in yoga, weave in like classes with your friends. If you're like, I'm getting kind of bored of like the tedious lifting, like use your active rest days or those days outside your training to like take a spin class with your friends. Or I did that this weekend. I went to a Legree class. I've never done that before. It was like trying something new and then also doing a spin class. But what I do most of the time is lift and I enjoy doing that. But I also you know, I've been doing this since sixth grade, literally lifting like nonstop. I was talking to Zach the other day, like I've never taken an extended period off unless I was on vacation. I did bodyweight workouts because I enjoy this so much and I enjoy how I feel afterwards that I don't want to take time off. Like it's a part of my routine that I look forward to doing, whether it's a lift or it's a class or it's a bodyweight workout. Like you have to enjoy what you're doing because it will help get you through those seasons of life. And you'll look back like me, like 10, 15 years from now and be like, I can't believe I'm still doing this thing. Like it's really just become second nature over time. Yeah. And I always see this, especially being a former athlete for myself where, you know, I've been training and working out for literally like, you know, decades now being an athlete. And it'd be very easy for me to, you know, kind of get tired of the same repetitive approach to my training. And, you know, obviously with me coaching a lot of former athletes, I've really found a way to make the training fun. Um, you know, I feel like there's so many trainers out there that are like, it's got to be boring. You just got to accept the fact it's going to be boring. It's going to be repetitive. And while there are going to be repetitive aspects of a program, I think it's really really, really important to make it fun, to make it exciting. And that's feedback that I hear all the time from my clients through blending, you know, this mixed modality training, like I like to do it, such as, you know, having a place for strength training in the program, having a place for bodybuilding in the program, having a place for conditioning and interval training inside the program, you know, blending mixed modalities where we can keep things fun, we can keep things different and exciting and keep variation, but still having that progressive overload present where we're not just doing randomness. And so that's what I, I mean, I just firmly believe that if we just as trainers and as coaches just make a little bit more of an effort, we can make this shit fun for our clients. And I've always been a believer in that. And I know for a fact that my clients appreciate that. And I know Christina does a lot of that same um, approach. And I, and I think that it's just so important to have these versions of fun and these versions of play just in your life. It's so youthful. It's, it's exciting. It gets your mind off of, you know, what's going on that day. Like for me, for example, like being a former athlete and an athlete, like I love skill-based movements. I love like the Olympic lifts, like kettlebell Olympic lifts, like, you know, snatches and, and different like kettlebell cleans and complexes and stuff like that. Like I just love stuff that really gets like my coordination firing, you know, my, my skill firing and, you know, 
I don't necessarily use those things as my main training, but I like to use them as play, you know, keeping it light, working that range of motion, doing these different, you know, very advanced movement patterns that do require, you know, a lot of skill, a lot of coordination. Um, and those are fun for me. That really is what helps me kind of break up, you know, my resistance training, you know, between for example, like a four day split that I'm on. And so that's why I'm always going to be, you know, a firm believer in like, you know, that three to four day split. Um, if we are using a five day split, typically that fifth day is just cardio. So sometimes we can switch that out for, you know, some, some type of activity that's going to be more in the form of play. But I think that like having that, you know, three to four day split is really what gives you the maximum freedom to incorporate stuff like Christine is talking about the, the yoga, you know, the workout classes, some running here and there. I just know that that's been so beneficial for us. I know that's super beneficial for my clients. I have, you know, several clients right now who really enjoy, you know, doing like cycling, doing running marathon style work. And we balance that, you know, with a three day resistance training split. And so, you know, I'm telling you guys, you know, you can get phenomenal, phenomenal results, you know, with three to four days of training per week. Use that other time, you know, for play. Use those times when you are in that, you know, maintenance approach and not the optimization approach to incorporate even more of this play and more fun just into your training because it's supposed to be fun. You know, that's really how I've always, you know, approached my health and my fitness, especially the training component is I love it. I, I do find serious enjoyment in moving my body through space and how my body feels when it's being challenged when I'm, like I said, pushing some of those skill-based movements, even something as simple as the resistance training. So always find, you know, what you enjoy and what's fun. And if you have a coach who is forcing you to do the opposite, you know, I would find a new coach because that's something that Chris and I do a lot is, you know, getting feedback from our clients, understanding what they want, what they value, but also what they need and finding a good balance between all of the above. And so, you know, really the next point underneath this umbrella of training and just activity in general is the importance of basic movement. I think that this is one of the most underrated aspects of fitness that can drive serious results for individuals. I have seen clients of mine specifically doing everything right and missing out on non-exercise activity through the form of steps and that being the difference maker and them getting results or not getting results. It is mind blowing. And I know that that was something I personally experienced. I think I literally just talked about it on our fat loss podcast last week, just about, you know, my own personal story with how eye opening steps were for me being someone that was already very active. But once I got the data, once I got the numbers, you know, it was very telling that I wasn't as active as I thought. And so just focusing on that basic movement will take you guys such a long way. And I would argue the biggest reason for it is that it's not intense. You're not adding more stress to your body and to your central nervous system. And especially just like mental, physical fatigue and stress. Like you're not accumulating any of that through basic movement, like steps through just moving your body, um, really through space, mobility, things like that. Even like today, for example, like a little bit step up, you know, from, from basic movement, but I was doing like very low intensity, like walking, jogging intervals on the treadmill. And like, I felt so much better after it. Like I wasn't like leaving the gym completely fatigued, brain fog, can't even breathe, like dying. Like this was just like very low intense, you know, intervals for a longer duration. And I literally felt so much better, so much more energized after I left the gym. So just understand guys that, you know, it's not always the ground and pound, kill yourself workouts that are driving the results. Sometimes it's as little as taking the stairs. Sometimes it's as little as going on an extra walk with your dog. Sometimes it's as little as throwing in, you know, a podcast and walking around the office. I know I have a lot of my clients do that where, you know, they work a desk job. They don't have a standing treadmill. Well, guess what? You know, every, you know, 10 or so minutes, every 30 minutes, you know, take 
take a little break, walk the halls, walk the stairs, throw in a podcast, listen to some music. Not only is that going to help you in your fitness, but it's also going to help break up the monotonous of that day and keep you more mentally focused on the tasks at hand, but also breaking up the stress as well. So I think it's just so important to understand this idea of basic movement because we've seen it firsthand. We've experienced it firsthand. It can be the difference maker in you getting results. Yeah, I think this is something that's helped us maintain fitness year round. Like probably one of the biggest ones that stick out to me because even when we travel, we get our steps in so easily. Like Zach was in California last week. Yeah, 30,000 like, steps, 30, literally. Like yeah. that's what I, that's like two days worth of movement in one day, literally from walking. I didn't even work out that day. Had more calories burned than even on the days where I've had some of my most intense workouts yeah, through low intensity movement. Sorry. Exactly. You're good. That's exactly <laughs> what helps us like have a little bit more flexibility with nutrition too. That doesn't mean when we travel, we're like, oh, it's a cheat day because we're getting in a bunch of steps. It allows us to be more mindful and like not track. For example, we'll follow these nutrition habits that we're going to talk about here in the next section. But that allows us when we travel to like do something we enjoy. We like exploring. We like walking. We like going to coffee shops, listening to podcasts, even when we stay with my mom in Akron. Like we don't have access to a gym or treadmills. We'll just walk ghosts around the neighborhood a couple of times. And it just helps us to balance social life, family time, travel, and our fitness. Yeah. And when you have that high level of caloric expenditure, especially through the low intensity movement, like that day, you know, I hadn't drinking beer in a while. And like that day I had some beers with my friends, you know, I ate some food that I wouldn't normally eat. You know, I had been eating really well up until that point. I've accumulated a lot of good days. So I was a little bit more flexible that day. And because of that high level of movement, and because of me focusing on what I'm doing most of the time, I was able to do those things. And literally, like I came back from the trip and like I told Chris, I'm like, I felt no different. It didn't even like remotely effect, impact or affect my progress and my results. And I think that's where what holds a lot of people back is when they do things to the extremes or they go back and forth like yo-yoing is like they'll do really well during the weekdays and on the weekends, like a zero activity, zero water intake, no goal foods eaten. Then you go into the week like, oh my gosh, I feel like crap. I can't work out on Monday. My energy is low. It just like trickles into the week and it creates kind of a vicious cycle of always being on or off. There can never be like a balance of like we said that something over nothing. So I think like just making those, this isn't even like really on topic of training, but um, just really keeping your activity high on the weekends helps prevent you from feeling like you're quote starting over on Monday, which I know holds a lot of people back. And this one kind of goes hand in hand with what Zach was talking about earlier about the optimization and maintenance. But at minimum, we want to maintain. So during a busy season of life, during a chaotic season of life, if you have a lot of shit going on, you have to maintain your routines like with your movement, training, with walking versus backsliding. I think the biggest thing, I keep saying the biggest thing that holds people back, but like this is a very big struggle is when people fall off from working out. Zach and I are talking about this this week. When you take like a whole week off of any kind of movement, that momentum is extremely hard to build back up. And that's when it becomes like there's so much resistance, like every day that you spend like not moving your body or not maintaining these routines, even in the smallest of ways, like walking, getting 7,000, 10,000 steps, getting in like a full body workout. You have to maintain those routines and habits and that will prevent you from backsliding and then having to completely start all over. We did a whole episode on momentum a long time ago. And it's like the more time you take off, the more you backslide. It's like you're pushing a boulder up a hill, like your finished journey. It's tough, like eating healthy hitting your steps, hitting your water, like this stuff's not easy or everyone would be walking around with a six pack in the best shape of their lives. But if this stuff is hard and it's like pushing a boulder up a hill every day, we got to make these sacrifices. We have to make these 1% better decisions. But at the end of the day, if you skip and you don't maintain and you start backsliding, that momentum is extremely hard to build back up. And that's when those excuses pop in. That's when the lack of motivation gets even stronger. 
And it's going to be hard to keep that going for the rest of your life or for the year round if you're constantly waiting to be motivated or you're constantly waiting for the time to be perfect. Yeah. And I know plenty of you out there listening can relate to that. Me and Christina, were just having that conversation and it just hit home with me because there was a season of life like post football where I was going through that, where I had been an athlete my whole life. Like I said earlier, I had been training, you know, for over a decade. I, it has been something that did become my norm and just what I did. And when it, when I finished that, I almost like resented it at first where I'm like, I just want freedom. I don't want to do this shit anymore. I just want to break. And it was one of the worst things I could have done because versus if I would have just had the, the something versus nothing mentality of, okay, I don't have to do it at the degree I did as a division one athlete. And as I was doing it, trying to become a pro, why can't I just scale that back and do something versus nothing? But I didn't have that mentality during that phase of my life. And it was one of the hardest things to pick back up on. So like anytime I talk with someone or I get on the phone with a potential client and they tell me like they've been out of the game for a while, you know, I, I just relate so heavily to that because it is one of the most difficult things to get back into. Like Christina said, it's by no means easy. But when it becomes your norm, it becomes second nature. Like it really makes me think back, and this is like semi an extreme example, but makes me think back to when I did join the football team, you know, for the first time, it was like all these new habits, all these new routines. I was like, how the fuck will I even do any of this and sustain any of this? Like it was just so much and so much higher demand than what I was used to um, from playing lacrosse. And I remember at first it being like so hard. I remember my first off season being insane i could barely even like hang on and survive the off-season workouts but guess what by senior year it was completely automatic all of it was easy to me like even the off-season workouts that used to absolutely buckle me became easy and so i think that that's just so important to understand like if you're someone going through that initial resistance like you all you are going to feel that when you're trying to implement these health and these fitness habits i just wish more people would understand what is on the other side if they just keep pushing if you just wait another couple weeks if you just follow through a little bit longer than one week. Like, like just really embrace that thought for a second. Like most of us get, we're so distracted. We live in a society that's just like constantly telling us to do this versus this versus that. We can't even stick to one thing. And it's like, if we would just break free from that bullshit and just really lock in and just stick to something for a little bit longer than a very short amount of time, you guys would be shocked at how easy those habits become and how much, how normal that this just becomes a part of your life. And I know that Christine and I have gone through so much growth collectively, individually through our own like health and fitness journeys. And, you know, to see where we are now and the habits we have now, like old us would, would probably be shocked at a lot of what we're experiencing these days. And so I think it's just so important guys to understand what is on the other side of just pushing through some of that discomfort and some of that initial resistance that you will experience inevitably going through habit change. And I think something you said, it reminded me of this quote that was like, we watch Netflix shows and even if we're not invested in it in the first like one, two, three episodes, just because someone said like, hey, this show is good. Yeah, you we'll stick push, with it. <laughs> we'll push through some shitty episodes because we know people are saying like, it'll be worth it. But we don't apply that same mindset towards something that's so beneficial to our health. Like, of course, in the first like month, it's hard to start implementing these habits. But over time, it becomes second nature. And I always say this quote, and it's obviously like probably an eye roll, but it's always hard until it's not like these so habits true. used to be so hard for us. And now I don't have to look at my aura ring to know I'm hitting my step goal. I don't even have to count how many water bottles I drank today to know I'm hitting a gallon. Like these things do become second nature, but we don't push through a lot of times long enough for that even to happen. Yeah. And it's like, I just going back to this thought of like, you know, the something over nothing, like I know for a fact, no matter how crazy our life gets, like I am going to, I will get three to four workouts in. Like I just will not even negotiate with myself. Like it's just become 
what I do at this point where like, I, I know this for a fact that like, even during the most hectic, craziest seasons of life, like we have those foundational habits to fall back on, even if it looks a little bit differently, even if we've got to, you know, pivot a little bit with our meals or maybe how we're doing the training. It's those staple things that are always going to be constant. Like the amount of times we're going to get, like I'm committed to getting those workouts in. We're committed, you know, to getting protein at every meal, no matter if it's, um, you know, on a, on a trip or at home, like it's just going to happen. Like that's those habits, those foundational habits are what we're going to show up for, even if it looks different, depending on the season of life. And all of these habits are how it becomes a lifestyle. And this is how you're able to maintain all this year round. And obviously nutrition is a huge piece of that puzzle too, on top of training. And I think once again, a big thing the whole team will back is we overcomplicate our nutrition. And I hear it all the time with clients when I'm like on our halfway calls or something, I'm like, what has helped this become a lifestyle for you? Like what, what, what habits have you changed? What mindset shifts have you experienced? And they're like, I used to overcomplicate my meals. I'd make something different every single night. I would have something different for like breakfast, lunch, and dinner all week long. Grocery bills are exponentially higher. Um, but it also just like us overcomplicating it, it makes it so hard to track, like seasoning things up, like doing a ton of dressings. It's difficult to track. Just like simplify your meals and make it repeatable. That way you don't have to think about it. Like it's just once again becomes second nature. Like we still enjoy the things we eat, but our meals are so simple. Like I'm going to say our go-to meals and you guys are probably like, damn, I've heard these exact same ones before. <laughs> That's because we eat the same thing for months at a time just because food is fuel to us. It's not like if we start to get tired of these meals, like today I even checked in with Zach, we're going grocery shopping after this. And I'm like, are you enjoying our meals right now? Do we need to change anything up? And when that does happen, yeah, we will switch it up, but it will still be a simple meal. And even if you guys like we're, we're different in the fact like we can stick to the same stuff for months at a time. But even if you're someone who's like, I got, I need variation. Like I have to switch it up, at least switch it up weekly. Like mm-hmm. don't do it daily. You'll drive yourself insane. If you're always get, like, okay, today I'm going to do this lunch. Tomorrow it's going to be different today. I'm doing this dinner tomorrow. It's going to be different. Like anytime I see a client who's struggling with nutrition, it's typically because of that. They're trying to do, do the most where it's like let's just change shit every single day and i'm telling you guys like it'll drive you insane at least repeat the same meals a week at a time like even if you want to switch it after that seven days like even if you want to switch the meals that next week do it but just keep the same meals at least for weeks at a time it'll make that decision fatigue go away and it'll just make you being consistent so much easier exactly and if you're someone who struggles with that kind of like monotonous you know menu i guess you could say if you're someone who's not a creature of habit what some of my clients will do is they'll shop for the entire week, but they'll eat their leftovers from dinner for lunch and then have something like they'll rotate every other day. So it's like you're eating your dinner for lunch the following day, then you're making the other menu like you're kind of alternating those meals, but you're still using the leftovers. You're still keeping the same protein source, the same sides. When you're always making different protein sources, you're always making complicated sides that need to be like cooked in the oven and air fried instead of just like getting microwavable rice or, you know, having your chicken belt prep for the week, like keeping things simple makes there's just so much less resistance when it comes to nutrition. That's how you're able to maintain healthy eating year round, because once again, it becomes second nature. Absolutely. And like we kind of said there, one of those foundational habits that we really focus on is that protein first mentality where, you know, it doesn't matter if we're traveling, eating out at the airport, like we are always seeking out good protein sources for each one of the meals and even the snacks that we're consuming. And if you guys can flip that switch, because, you know, we live in a very carbon fat dominant world where, you know, when when we start coaching, you know, clients, I know for me, most of the men that I start coaching, their, their diet is completely dominated by carbs and fats and protein is like non-existent. Like it's there, but at very, very low quantities. 
And we need that scale to flip in the complete other direction where protein is what dominates. And then those carbs and fats are filling in the gaps. And so, you know, if you guys can start focusing on that, where, you know, no matter what, no matter what your situation looks like, no matter if you're eating out at, at, you know, a restaurant, if you're at, you know, a social gathering, like at a restaurant or whatever it may be, like even a work event, seek out those protein sources. You know, I'm not saying I'm not vilifying carbs and fats. They just tend to dominate over protein when it should be the other way around. So when when in doubt, always seek out, how can I get protein in at every single meal or even with the snacks that I'm consuming? You can always add protein to a meal when you're out to eat. And one thing that like one meal I see a lot of people struggle in it when I look at food logs and there's like a lack of protein. I'm like, where could we have fit in a high protein meal? You have it at every single meal, but there's pizza once in a while. And obviously it's a soul food that like, you know, we don't eat that often, but it's you can still have it in moderation, but there's not a lot of protein on it. So you have to be cognizant of that before you go into a dinner. Like most of the time when you know you're going to have a pizza night with family or you're going to go out to eat, like, you know what you're going to be having for the most part. Like that also makes nutrition a lot easier year round is when you have that proactive, like I'm going to look up the menu or I'm going to ask like, Hey, what are we having for dinner versus being like blindsided? You know, not that it's that dramatic, but I think that one thing you can do in a situation like that to easily add protein is like obviously adding protein to the pizza, but you could drink like a protein shake on the way there, eat a Nash bar on the way there. Just so you have like some protein in your stomach before you go into that dinner. Cause that's why we tend to like overeat in situations because we're either never satisfied because that's a sole meal. It's simple carbohydrates in the crust. There's cheese, but there's no protein. So like it's lacking fiber, it's lacking protein, it's lacking any complex carbs. So you're already setting yourself up for very high hunger levels and overconsumption versus just like having a small amount of protein on your way there. Even eat a couple chopsticks if you're on the go or something like that. Great protein snack. Yeah. Something that also helps with that situation and overall, the third point is overcoming mindless eating. This is something that to be honest, we used to struggle with it too. Like when we have too many snacks in the house or it's like the weekends or we have family over it's like those are situations where you can mindlessly snack because you're like caught up in conversation or you're watching a movie watching tv and you're just like constantly snacking but like what we do is we limit the amount of snacks that we buy and we focus on our meals more so than snacking like whenever i go over my calories like obviously i'm not perfect like it does happen here and there it's always when i'm snacking throughout the day and not making a full meal and just like sitting down and eating like the other day we were i had to pre-log for something like we had dinner with zach's parents and they brought over salmon. We had like yeah, we some had snacks. <laughs> and during that day, I had such a busy day of calls that I was actually snacking. Like after breakfast, I had like a Nash bar. I had some almonds. I had some yogurt. And obviously those are all goal things. But then I logged my dinner and I'm like, oh, I have like not a lot of calories left for dinner. And now I'm kind of being reactive. And you probably weren't even satiated. You no, probably weren't hungry. even full. I'm like, when's my next meal? And I've been eating for, you know, these small snacks over the course of the whole day. But when you are mindful on like filling meals, like having a protein, a fat source and a fiber source and focusing on those complex carbs over simple carbs, it helps prevent you from mindlessly eating in these situations because you're actually full. You're managing your hunger levels and preventing mindless eating is something that I think pops up more on the weekends or when you're in like a situation where it's like a holiday or a celebration. If you follow and like not going, if you stick to the principle of like, I'm going to have one plate, I'm not going back for seconds, that prevents any mindless eating. Or if you tell yourself like, I'm going to section some out into a bowl. Like I'm going to have one serving of popcorn versus having the whole bag on our laps while we're watching TV, which is easier said than done. But like you can prevent that mindlessness by being intentional. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, really this mindless consumption and this habit of mindless eating goes hand in hand with just building your hunger awareness. I would say for me, these are two of the biggest areas I struggled with for so long with my nutrition, you know, being a, you know, more active and and bigger football player, you know, I was always, always, always eating. 
and I didn't really have to care about, um, you know, eating a lot of food essentially, because I was burning so many calories each day, especially during, you know, some crazy, um, you know, experiences like the season and things like that camp, like we were just burning so many calories. So I was used to just like constant consumption. And I really did have to like really work at rewiring my approach to my nutrition over time. And I think if we could just really work at actually understanding, like, are we actually hungry or are we just bored? Are we just anxious? Like getting in tune with why are we hungry right now? Like, are we actually hungry? Are we not? Are we just having other emotions that are kind of making us think we're hungry? And like being aware of that can just be so huge because I know like it took me being consciously like, like pausing with those feelings and actually thinking to myself like, okay, am I just dehydrated? Am I maybe feeling a little anxious? Like what is the emotion that's driving this urge, you know, to actually eat? Um, and the more you become aware of those cues, the more you can facilitate the eating to match, you know, when you are actually hungry. And so I was actually telling a client about this, like with the way I have my calories right now, I'm, I'm eating in a deficit and it's obviously really tough to maintain or manage your hunger levels when you are in a caloric deficit or an energy deficit. And I find that one of the most helpful things for me is just waiting to eat until I'm hungry. Like something as simple as that, you know, in the morning, in the, in the afternoon, in the evening, like not having like a strict time of like, this is exactly what I'm going to eat. But you know, in the more and like, kind of like with the intermittent fasting thing, like, personally, I think it's so overrated. Um, and we really need to just focus on the total calories we eat in a given day. But the way that I like to do it is like, I will not eat sometimes first thing in the morning if I'm not hungry. Um, and I'll basically just push that first meal off until I am like legitimately feeling my hunger levels rise. Like I'm hydrating, um, you know, I'm eating I'm drinking my athletic greens. Sometimes if the hunger is super high, I'll have like a Nash bar in the morning, but I'm really like waiting until those hunger levels, like I'm actually feeling that awareness around those, the hunger, then I'm having that first meal. And then same kind of thing with my second meal. I'm not just like force feeding myself my second meal. You know, I'm waiting until those hunger levels are picking up again. And then until, you know, they're, it's pretty prominent and I'm pretty, you know, I'm very much so aware that I am like very hungry. I'll have the next meal and then the next meal. And that really helps me manage my hunger levels in a cutting phase. And so I think it's just so important to get in tune with those cues and also hydrating and making sure that, you know, you're not just like bored or, you know, having other emotions, but you are actually legitimately hungry. And on that note, I see stress eating and emotional eating quite a bit. And then I see like hunger levels are rated like a zero or a one out of five, for example. And I'm like, all right, let's get to the bottom of why we were like overeating or why we were mindlessly snacking because of a stressor or an emotional moment. I used to be a big stress eater, a big emotional eater when I felt like I couldn't control the situation I was in. I was just like, where's the next, where's the snack in the pantry? Where's the popcorn? Where's this? Where's that? Even if I wasn't even hungry, it was just a way that I would cope. And I think that up until I read the book, it was called Burnout. It was like unlocking or breaking the cycle of stress in women. I talked about how the, we have this stress loop or like we can also relate it to an emotional loop and just think of it as a circle. And if we have a stressor in our life, it's just a constant loop in a circle just going round and round and our cortisol, cortisol levels are staying high. We're in fight or flight mode. And in order to break that cycle, we think at the end of the day, we're like, I have to have a glass of wine or I have to have a drink. I have to eat this snack just to like satisfy this stress craving that I have. And it actually makes it worse. Like the stress loop continues from that point and then you do it again and then you do it again because that's your only coping mechanism. And it's not that eating is unhealthy, but when you're doing it in that way as like a coping mechanism, it can become unhealthy. But when you kind of shift the habit of overeating or stress eating, emotional eating 
towards an actual healthy coping mechanism, you have to put in an action to break the stress loop. So that loop's going to continue and you're going to constantly be stressed until you break the loop open with an action. And so the day I read that, I'm like, okay, I'm going to actually try to remember this. Like when you read personal development, you can read all you want, but if you don't implement it in those moments where you need to grow, then it's kind of useless. So that day I was like in a stressed state and I'm like, okay, after work, I was like, oh, I want to go in the pantry and grab this sweet. I want to like do X, Y, and Z, all these unhealthy old coping mechanisms. But then I was like, I'm going to put in some action. I'm going to go walk ghost. I'm going to do like a 10 minute tidy, just like do the dishes, wipe down the counters, take a shower. And I just kept doing actions and I'm like, I'll self tan. I'll do this. I'll take out on another walk. Like, and then at the end of the day, I was like, why was I even stressed? Like, I don't even remember why I felt the urge to stress eat or emotionally eat. But that's where you're in tune with your hunger levels when you focus on just like being aware and finding healthy coping mechanisms and just like understand like, am I truly hungry or am I stressed? Am I bored? Am I emotional? And call up a friend, go on a walk outside, just not even to distract yourself, but to actually break the loop of whatever you're experiencing. And we'll get into stress here very soon as we go through the mindset habits. So I'll stop my round stress right now. But I do want to touch on the last thing and the nutrition habits, which is you guys have heard this before, never missed twice. And this applies to your habits too. Like it helps create momentum. If you like missed a workout, you hit the workout the next day. Like that prevents that, that cycle that Zach and I were talking about earlier in the episode of like, you go a whole week without working out. It's extremely hard to pick back up on a Monday. So when this not missing twice mentality comes to nutrition is if you have a soul meal, let's say like last night I went out to dinner with my girlfriends. Let's say that was a soul meal and it's like more processed food, whole foods were lacking, for example. That means like when I come home, I'm not snacking on soul foods. Like my next meal has to be a goal food. Luckily, when we came home, I had nothing but goal foods in the house. So we were snacking on like fruit and almonds, like how boring, but also like that was a never miss twice mentality. Then you have to follow it up with a goal meal, like breakfast, for example. And then if you go out to lunch with friends, you have a soul meal. Let's say you have pizza, for example, like I said, as an example, earlier in the episode, you have to have a goal meal following that because this makes it repetitive in a cycle you can repeat over time, like throughout your entire lifetime, like the 80-20 lifestyle only works if you're having soul food in moderation. But when we get into that like hashtag balance mindset where we're like, I can eat whatever I want and still see my you know progress. If your soul food is outweighing your goal food, your body composition is going to reflect it. Your energy, your performance is going to reflect it. So you have to think about like, what was my last meal? Then follow that cycle. That doesn't mean if your last meal was a goal meal, you have to have a soul meal. It just means if you have a soul meal, you can't repeat it with a soul meal or, you know, processed food. And like I said, I would circle back to stress levels because I know this is something that impacts everyone's fitness journey at one time or another. So now that we're getting into mindset habits, you can maintain being fit year round. Managing stress levels is something that I think takes a lot of work and a lot of self-awareness. And I've seen this time and time again, even with myself, impact our fat loss goals. So if you have a goal to be fit year round, you want to be able to wear certain clothes and feel confident. Your stress levels have a lot to do with it. And basically, when your body's in fight or flight mode, like your cortisol levels are increased, your body's going to hold on to fat and it's going to turn off any like optional processes, which fat loss is technically an optional process. So if your body's overloaded with cortisol, it's overloaded with stress, it's in survival mode. And our body doesn't want to lose fat in a survival mode. It wants to hold on to it. So you have to change the way you respond to things. If you can't change the stressors in your life, meaning like if it's work stress, financial stress, family stress, you have to change the way you respond to those things and also weave in a lot of stress management. Like we do daily meditation, journal when I'm in a very stressed season of life or even in a maintenance season of life, I guess you could say. Therapy is also a great way to help manage stress. Activity, movement is a stress management tool for us like yoga, walking, exercise. But 
you need to focus on managing the stress levels or it will create a lot of resistance towards your fat loss. I've seen it, like I said, with clients and me, I'll give an example of my cut like two years ago. I was in the most stressed state of my life. I was eating low calories because I'm like, I want to feel confident. Like I didn't feel confident year round. And I was like, I want to feel good, but I was not managing the stress. It was like the elephant in the room that I was ignoring in terms of like, I was doing all the right things. I was getting proper sleep. I was doing my workouts. I was eating in a calorie deficit. I was quote, doing all the right things in my body stayed the same. If not, went backwards. Like my body composition was, I was feeling even more bloated. I was feeling inflamed because when you're in a stress state, your body is going to be inflamed. You have to focus on managing stress levels to decrease inflammation, which then helps you feel leaner, less bloat. Your body retains less of that body fat. So you feel more confident. So managing stress is something that I think is so often overlooked, but it can make a huge difference in your fitness year round. Yeah. And as we talk through these mindset habits, they just play so perfectly into what we're doing from a nutrition standpoint, what we're doing from a training standpoint. You know, all three of these things really do go hand in hand as it relates to the bigger picture of your results and just progress over time. And so a big way that I know I have had to really manage my stress and just manage my mindset is really understanding the importance of like truly being present versus always projecting into the future. And this is so hard to do. This is something I feel like I struggle with, you know, all the time. I know a lot of my clients struggle with this. Really, any of us who are high achievers, we're looking to excel in our careers, our, our work, everything that it is we're doing, it's so difficult to be present because we're always evaluating, what do I need to do next? How do I, you know, what do I need to do next to get myself to this next stage or to basically hit this next milestone or this next accomplishment? You know, we were actually just watching that untold um, about the Florida Gators and there was a clip of Urban Meyer and he instilled, you know, very much so the this type of attitude into, you know, me and a lot of the other guys that played for him. But, you know, he was talking about winning the national championship. And literally as soon as he got into the locker room, he was texting, um, you know, recruits coming in that he was trying to recruit for that next season, for that next year, because he, he couldn't even you know, be present in that moment. He immediately, you know, was going to the next thing. And I feel like this really, really can can hurt us and hurt our stress levels and just mindset over time. And I will not act like this is an easy balance. I think that this is something that we're always working at, but it is something that has to be worked at. And I think it's just such a double-edged sword because the irony is that by, you know, us focusing on basically the future, it's then distracting us from the habits that we need in the moment to actually get that future outcome, you know, that we're looking for. And so that future isn't even guaranteed, guys. You know, what we're looking to achieve, this, you know, kind of vision that we have, um, you know, it's not even guaranteed in and of itself. It's only, the, the only thing that is guaranteed is the present moment. And we have to focus our efforts in that present moment or else we will constantly be in that stress state of projecting to the future, projecting what that next thing is. I do believe it's a fine balance of understanding that vision, but then coming right back to that present moment and understanding what you can control right now that is going to be the building block that gets you to that future outcome. And the way that I really just, you know, really help myself focus on this is just, you know, getting very present with the tasks at hand each individual day, not projecting into, you know, what's going to happen in a week, what's going to happen in a month, but what are the actual tangible things that I can do that I have control of now that I know are going to compound over time. And I'm confident I can trust in the way that they are going to ultimately compound over time. And what I see often that this past habit made me think of was when there's a lot of upcoming events. And I know for a lot of people, this summer has been packed with a lot of events. So it's like 
wedding after wedding after wedding after birthday celebration after anniversary celebration is just like something every weekend and I'll see it start to increase the stress levels of clients and I've been there myself too where we have so much on our social calendar that it can increase your stress levels and it can also pull away from like what you need to do each day to win like a lot of people think like I have so much going on this season like why bother with my fitness journey but that mindset only holds you back that's where the all or nothing mindset starts to take over but if you, I'm just like just focus on what you can do today. Focus on today. Focus on this week alone, like Monday to Sunday. We'll get to next week. Like we'll get to your next trip in next week's check-in. But if you think about just like one day at a time, one week at a time, it helps you put in the actions you need, like Zach said, to get to where you want to be in the future. But if you just focus on staying present, doing these daily non-negotiables we talk about and these daily habits, you'll get to those moments and you won't even be stressed out about them because you'll have done everything you could do to feel your best at those moments. It's not going to derail you because you want each day leading up to it versus saying, I have a wedding this weekend. I'm not even going to bother with my habits and routines. And that goes along with kind of delaying gratification too. I know these two kind of sound like like they counteract each other, but delaying gratification is something that is like something you have to have in your mindset tool belt if you want to succeed on your health and fitness journey. Everything we do is delaying gratification. Well, it's that trust. You know, the delayed gratification is that trust that what I'm basically doing in the moment is compounding for that bigger outcome down the line. You know, not just focusing so much on that end goal, but understanding these inputs that I'm implementing every day mm-hmm. that I'm delaying that that ultimate outcome, I'm delaying that future vision for the small focused inputs in the present. Yeah, and I think that self-sabotage and delaying gratification are like enemies to, towards each other because what most people, this is a quote I saw today actually, which inspired this habit, which is um, the reason most people fail instead of succeeding is that they trade what they want most for what they want in the moment. And I think that's a direct form of self-sabotage and it keeps you in the same place because if you're someone who's trying to save up money and you're trying to get to like a certain amount in your savings account, if you want to go on a trip and it's like something you want right now, or you want to go to a concert and it's something you want right now, you're delaying that like big goal that you have. And when you self-sabotage that goal you have, it doesn't feel good. Like when you get to that point where you need your savings account, you're like, damn, I wish I had, you know, delayed my own gratification. And that can relate to your fitness goals too. And I think that we can have a lot of temptation in regards to our health and fitness. Like if you're someone who's trying to cut back on drinking, like going out on the weekends, there's drinking at pretty much every social event. You have to think about like, okay, if I have a workout in the morning, Am I going to have this drink right now or have one more drink? Or am I going to keep that promise to myself to go home by a certain time so I can wake up for my workout? Because if you were to wake up hungover on like, let's say Wednesday morning, you were supposed to hit a workout and you're like, damn, I told myself I would do this and I kind of self-sabotage myself in it. So if you're struggling with self-sabotage or delaying gratification, I highly recommend reading the book, The Mountain Is You, because this is a good example of like former us pulling current us back into our old ways because it feels good in the moment. It's what's comfortable in that moment. And delaying gratification is extremely uncomfortable. Absolutely. And I think like we said, it's really weird. Like that concept I talked about with focusing on present versus future, but also delaying the gratification, you know, as you were talking through that, it just really made me realize how much of a give and take it is. It's, It's really a game of push and pull, you know, between, like I said, understanding that future vision, delaying the gratification to get to that future vision, but then being very present with the daily inputs and the things that you're doing that are compounding in that direction. Um, so just know guys, like it is not going to be perfect. Like, you know, focus, we, we naturally are going to get in that rhythm of, of projecting into the future of robbing ourselves of the present. But what's important is having the self-awareness to understand that we're doing that to bring us back to the moment, 
to trust in the process and trust in the direction that we're headed in. And so we really just want to wrap this thing up with, you know, talking about gratitude. I feel like this is something that constantly comes up in our podcasts week and week out, uh, week in and week out, uh, because we do truly believe that that gratitude is what's going to help you guys avoid burnout. You know, we've been there so many times as business owners. It's so, so very easy, um, you know, to kind of be our own worst enemy. You know, I, I'm talking to Chris about this all the time where, you know, I can get, you know, hard on myself and I can get so focused on, you know, scaling the next thing, you know, focusing on, you know, the marketing and, and the messaging and, and all of these, you know, things that are part of the process and part of the journey, but we can drive ourselves crazy, you know, if we're constantly just focused so hard, uh, once again, you know, kind of on that future and on where we're trying to get or where we're trying to go. But that gratitude is really what's, what is the catalyst that really brings us to the present moment, that, that understanding of how good we really do have it. And I know that Chris and I are always reminding ourselves of that. We kind of get in these, you know, kind of terminator modes of like, you know, all into the work and then, you know, having like a date night or something to kind of break things up and get present and focused. And in those moments, we always reflect on how grateful we are for where we are, like not as much as we can get caught up in that process and projecting like we're human, just like you guys, we do that ourselves. That's why we're literally talking about this is because we are um, flawed, just like you, everyone listening to this. And we have to every single day work at these things to be able to overcome them. Um, so we, a lot of times, you know, we are speaking through our own experiences, guys. And we just know that, you know, without gratitude, burnout is just 100% inevitable because if we're constantly focusing on what we lack, or we're constantly focusing on what we don't have, or, you know, we need to be here instead of where we are, we were constantly going to put ourselves in that situation to feel that burnout. And so that's why it's so important to be present, to to bring yourself to the present moment. And that gratitude is exactly what's going to do that. And I also think that as you were saying this, it made me think of a season in my life where I was my most burnt out. And I would express my gratitude every day. But when you start to like really be intentional with it, like instead of just writing down the same things every day, when you're intentional with it, it helps you see like what you're willing to sacrifice and what you're not willing to sacrifice. So if like quality time is something we're grateful for or family time is something we're grateful for, is that extra success or that extra hours worked like worth that time that you're pulling away from something you're extremely grateful for? And if not, that's something that you can hopefully change. I know there's a lot of careers out there where you can't decide like, hey, this is my schedule. This is my workload. This is my work-life balance. But I think gratitude, stress management, all these mindset things we talked about do help prevent that burnout, which is very, very real. So obviously we had a lot of information for you guys today in all different areas, but we've you know, we practice what we preach. We maintain our physiques year round. I used to go in a constant yo-yo of every summer I would lose. I would get, get in the cycle of like cutting, bulking. And you know, I don't really need to be like bulking intentionally. It's like the holiday season. I would use it as an excuse to be like, oh, I'm just going to start a cut for summer anyways. But then I was always playing catch up and it was just a constant loop of like unsustainability. So I think that when you weave in, it's not just the fitness, it's not just the nutrition, but the mindset habits too, like all three of these pillars or how we coach clients. It's how we implement these habits and maintain them forever in our personal lives. And we want you guys to feel in control of your life, in control of your fitness and your physique year round. Cause we know confidence is everything. And we want you guys to feel fit, healthy, energetic year round. And sometimes that takes intentional habits. It takes some sacrifice, but it's something you can maintain year round. And we want to show you guys how to do that in a balanced way. So we hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. We also appreciate you for listening to 100 episodes of Life Rewired. We'd appreciate if you guys share this episode on your story, tag us, tag Life Rewired, and leave a review if you have not already. 
We have all of our coaching applications and links down in the show notes along with the Nash Bar website. If you want to get your hands on those for the next launch, check out the show notes and we'll see you guys next week. Peace out, guys.